AF Weekly Radio. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests, and that's Green Left Weekly. It's a people's voice committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movement. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to Green Left Radio. And in the studio we have... Uh, Fergal. Dennis. And Zane. And Caroline. <laughs> One guest today. <laughs> Hope everybody had a good week. And we've got a jam-packed program again this morning. And I think we should go straight to it. Yes. Uh, start Dennis. Off, start off with the news, <laughs> as usual. Well, uh, some of them was coming, coming off from some news of protests here in Melbourne. Uh, last, uh, some of uh, you may know there was a uh, union protest on last Friday, September the 25th at the at the Transfield Company, which currently administers refugee centres on Manus Island and Nauru. So, a coalition of refugee activists, lawyers, unions, and church groups, as well as an organisation called No Business and Abuse have all formed to apply pressure on Transfield Services, the main contract in Australia's offshore detention facilities. The campaign aims to dry up Transfield opportunities for expansion by signing individuals and businesses up to a pledge not to work with businesses that profit from the detention industry. And uh, as the, uh, <coughs> the no, no Business and Abuse campaign shifts the focus to future projects, trying to encourage those working in other sectors, uh, Transfield provides services including healthcare, schools and hospitals not to do business with the company. And uh, Transfield has also been in the news for quite a few, uh, a few, a few other reasons. It's, it hasn't been exactly a very union-friendly um, company. As it, uh, it, has, uh, is that it, has, it has fired or, or it has um, attempted to um, uh, get, well, basically get rid of 100 members of the ETU while, while at the same time uh, putting up, public, putting up uh, job advertisements for temporary overseas workers. Oh, wow. Chief Labour, huh? Yeah. Haven't they changed the name, too? No, it's, it's still Transfield. Well, oh, well it's, 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 a, it's, a company, it's, it's a huge company. It's about 19,000 workers right across the uh, wow. right country. I heard they changed the name of their uh, security of the... Manus Island stuff, yeah. Is that the They had to do that. Yeah, they had to do that after... Um, uh, I think, I think well, after, after the progress or something like that, or, or right before. <coughs> You're hiding well, the sins. Yeah, we know who it is. It's you, <laughs> well, so you well, well, yeah. change your name. You can yeah, run, yeah. but you can't mm-hmm. hide. But, but, <laughs> it lo- but it really looks like, uh, you know, the transfer, they're, they're no strangers to exploitation, whether it be in, in detention centers or exploiting temporary workers, it seems. Temporary overseas workers, it seems. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Next up, workers win over Yarra Trams. So the Rail Tram and Bus Union members have finally secured an agreement with the with the Yarra Trams authorities. The workers had to take industrial action to win an agreement. They had so, so they w- they would have non-uniform day. So you know. 
but the industrial actions that they and they can include <laughs> included taking non-uniform days, the the banning short short running on tram routes, and uh, having two four-hour strikes in the last uh, few weeks. So in the end, the workers have won a 17% pay rise over the next four years, mm-hmm. backdated back to July the first. Good. Then, while at the same time, Yellow Trams had attempted to limit the pay rise to 13% over four years with a massive attack on conditions. And other, uh, other, other things that uh, RTBU has won for its members include annual leave loading paid week by week, introduction of trauma and family violence leave, an increase in parental leave provisions, and minimum, of working, minimum working hours uh, established for Monday to Sunday uh, schedule. Congratulations, tram workers. Well done. Yes. Uh, however, however, there's, uh, <laughs> oh dear. While the trams, while the tram, while, while, while the tramies have won themselves a great agreement, the rail workers are still uh, fighting for a decent enterprise agreement, oh. and they have reached a stalemate in their negotiations with Metro Trains. So, uh, fight's not over yet. It's not over yet. No. 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 Shame. <laughs> Sorry. Ah. Uh, also last week, uni- uh, uni- uh, the United Voice has come out in strength to defend penalty rates as there was a, um, a uni- as the unionists uh, rallied in Melbourne on September 23rd to defend penalty rates as employers such as Australian Hotels Association demand that Fair Work Commission cut weekend uh, penalty rates and uh, our new benevolent Prime Minister, Mr. Turnbull, has, is considering reducing Sunday penalty rates as well, as he's saying that Sundays are not hugely different to any other day. <laughs> really? <laughs> how, do you, how do people go to church? He's never really talks about it. Yes. Oh, well, you know, if, if, if Tony, uh, maybe if Tony Abbott was around on, on, <laughs> or, still, or still around, he'd have something to say about that. Or, he, or he probably will. He probably will. You know, he's, he's, he's been a bit of a, uh, he's actually been a bit of a pain in the ass for the entire Liberal Party. Understatement. Since, yeah. <laughs> I, think the, I think the main difference on Sundays for Malcolm Turnbull is that they have caviar and lobster instead of pheasant. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh. Now, uh, uh, and Jess Walsh had this to Jess Walsh, the State Secretary of United Voice, also had this to say about both Mr. Turnbull's remarks and that of the, uh, the um, Hotels Association. Hospitality workers are making about half the average Australian wage. Mm. Hospitality workers are some of the lowest paid in the country. Many many work both weekdays and weekends and are still paid below minimum wage. This is an attack on people who work every day and need penalty rates to make ends meet. Mm. They need to be compensated for losing time with their families. Yeah, oh, they yeah, can yeah. they can increase uh, their hourly wages, which means then they don't have then you know they have a better choice. Mm. You know they don't have they won't take penalty rates, but increase the hourly rates like you know thirty dollars an hour. Yeah. So that'll fix it up, yeah. don't you think? <laughs> I've done a bit well, of hospitality work at a um, at a live music and uh, nightclub venue in, the, in Melbourne that shall remain unnamed. And uh, I used to work long shifts, no no weekend rates, no penalty rates, no overtime rates. And yeah, it's hard, Yaka. This is just putting the boot into low-paid workers. I, I think as well. Often when they talk about saying, "Oh, we're going to raise," you know, we'll get rid of weekend rates, but we're going to raise the rates across the board. <laughs> All the work is done on the weekend. Mm. Like that's the reality. Most people go out to dinner on the weekend. That's right. So mm. it's you know, and 
yeah, so I, I don't know, like, I just sort of see it as it's, it's not really going to result in people with getting more work for working the weekdays because you don't get employed on the weekdays anyway. The shifts That's are right. on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. When I was working in hospitality, both in Newcastle and Melbourne, it was always weekend shifts, never mm. anything in the week. Yeah. Right. Mm. We'll raise mm. it 40 bucks an hour. Next, uh, next, next uh, interesting bit of news coming from uh, Sarah Hathaway from Geelong. Uh, she uh, she published the article about the Geelong's first equal marriage rights rally. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Fantastic. That, that was good. Yeah, Privileged was enough to be there. It was magical. Yes. It was fantastic. Yeah, first, yeah the fir- first ever marriage rights rally. That must have been quite, a f- uh, <laughs> quite an experience there. Well, uh, well, about 500 people attended the um, rally on September 19th. Um, Bit of a, a, a so was a bit of a while ago, but still wonderful, uh, great to report on it. It was largely a young crowd, yes. with visible presence of the local Socialist Alliance branch, the, the Greens, local Deakin Uni students, and the Geelong um, uh, Adolescent Sexuality Project in su- the support service for the LGBTI youth. Uh, this now, no, well, actually, one of the speakers was uh, Rowena Allen, says Victoria's first commissioner for gender and sexuality, who said. Marriage equality is not inevitable unless we get get out in the street and do what we're doing. That's right. Nothing yeah. wins battles like feet on the ground. Exactly, exactly. And uh, as uh, you know, as we mentioned on the uh, program, la- program last week, the uh, Mr. Turnbull is quite adamant with falling on with his predecessor's uh, stance on equal marriage uh, rights and or, or basically mothballing the debate until. After the next federal election, oh, puts a drag on everything. Yeah. Next up, <laughs> uh, next up, uh, coming in from the anti-war movement, Australian anti-war movement. Um, Pip Hinman, sorry, yeah, Pip Hinman here writes from uh, s- from Sydney. We must say no to bombing of Syria. Absolutely. Uh, which is also uh, Pip, Pip is a member of the Stop the War Coalition in Sydney, and she's been <coughs> sorry uh, protesting. Um, uh, the, the recent uh, protest against the bombing of of Syria uh, that day, and, he, and this is just a statement of the Stop the War Coalition that she, that uh, she helped to write. We we oppose the U.S.-led bombing and invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq, and we oppose the mo- the bombing of northern Syria for the same reasons. The horrendous consequences of those wars and the, and the occupations continues. Those impoverished countries are struggling to rebuild to control their national assets and re- rehabilitate the war wounded. U.S. warmongers Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld, along with Tony Blair and John Howard, should be tried for war crimes. Cheney and Rumsfeld used the t- t- 2001 terrorist attacks to launch regime change in the Middle East with their man, George Bush Jr., a willing accomplice. <laughs> yes. As we know, for several years, Syria has been a grip of civil war. Millions of Syrians have had their lives uprooted or destroyed, and millions more are now traveling the world looking for safe haven. More than 1.2 million Syrians are in Lebanon, 2 million in Turkey, and 600,000 in Jordan. Hundreds of thousands are risking all to get to Germany. It is good to see some leadership coming from uh, individuals like Jeremy Corbyn, the new leader of the British Labour Party, and a former chair... (laughs) of British uh, Stop the War Coalition, who I must should mention actually was a chair right up until about last week. 
he has called for dialogue between all parties in the region, saying there is no military solution to a military stalemate in Syria. We must pressure the government and the, and the opposition to rescind, resign support for the bombing campaign. We must push for more Syrian refugees to be allowed into this country and to settle permanently if they wish. Yes. This, so, the statement by the Stop the War Coalition in Sydney. I think it really helps to capture the anti-war movement uh, mood. Yes. Throughout, well, not just in Australia, but really, thro- really across throughout the, the world. world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. just wicked what they're doing in, in Syria. Uh, in fact, across the Middle East, they have mm. never won a war um, through killing people the way they're doing. It, it's waging a war. Well, they always, well, they always got their proxy state, Israel, to win war oh, wars for them. On. Don't even go there. <laughs> Uh, well, f- oh, to a bit of a good news now, actually. Good. RMIT students call for, call for fossil fuel divestment. Fantastic. So, student group Fossil Free RMIT is calling on the university to rule. Is calling on the university to rule out any further investment in fossil fuel stocks and make make a public de- declaration of commitment to, to co- commitment to fully divest in a specified time, as well as periodic reporting of its divestment uh, progress. So, uh, That's good. Yes. Great stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Keep it going, young yes. people. In international <laughs> news, there's been some some crucial developments happening in over in Spain, with the recent regional elections Catalan, in Catalonia. Yes, exactly. Yes. Technical reports here from Barcelona, as he always does. Uh, a year has passed since the British establishment won the, won the September referendum on Scottish independence with the final campaign week of blackmail, dirty tricks and multi-party sworn promises yet to be kept. And the same is, is currently taking place, also taking place in Catalonia as uh, the, uh, well, with this, uh, uh, prior to the 27th uh, Catalan parliamentary elections, we've Basically, the situation looked like this: all the pro-independence parties were basically blackmailed and um, scrutinized by the two major parties: the 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 people the People's Party, which is the sort of the your neo-Francoist uh, right-wing Spanish party, and then you have your the Spanish Socialist, the horribly misnamed Spanish Socialist Workers Party, yes. which is the, which is basically the Spanish uh, Leo Party. So b- the both of them bonded bon- together in order to stop any hopes for an independent Catalonia, I think, in place. Yes, and that brings that us to the end of the news time. Yes, you got plenty more there, haven't no, you? No, there's always plenty more oh, here. Oh no, we need a longer program. Yes, okay, uh, Midro. We'll get it. You are listening to Green Left Radio on the Friday morning breakfast show, broadcast live on 3CR Radio, 855 AM digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Green Left Weekly newspaper, providing a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment before profit. Subscribe to Green Left Weekly by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au. Or call 1-800-634-206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues. Welcome back. And we have a couple of quick announcements before we go to the interview. Oh, okay. Um, Well, do you... uh Good morning, dear Green Left Radio listeners. Please join us to the rally... Um, next Sunday, the 11th October, stand up 
for refugees at 2 p.m. at the State Library. Uh, looking forward to see you all there. Good. Wonderful. Good. <laughs> um, That's a wine from East Germany, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, not East, North Germany. Oh, North Germany, sorry. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, North East Germany. <laughs> Whatever. And we've got uh, Raised Voices, fundraiser for <coughs> warriors of the Aboriginal resistance. <coughs> Pardon me. That is coming up on Saturday the 3rd of October at 7 p.m. Uh, an awesome night of radical hip-hop for a great cause. Featuring touring Philadelphia MC Daz Jones, Badoessa, and an array of talented local MCs. And that's 15 bucks, and it's at the Toffin Town Level 2 Curtain House on Swans- Swanston Street. So that's uh, Saturday the 3rd of October, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, and we've got the Rally for Diversity, Say No to the UPF in Bendigo. That is next Saturday the 10th of October at high noon. Um, the United Patriot Fronts have, call, have called another anti-mosque, anti-Muslim <sighs> rally in Bendigo. This is a call to people who support inclusiveness on diversity to rally against them and say, not in our streets. Uh, we'll be rallying two hours before the beginning of the UPF rally with the aim of disrupting it, so bring chants, songs, coloured balloons, placards, anything. Uh, and that is at Bendigo Town Hall uh, in Hargrave Street, Bendigo, organised by the Bendigo Action Coalition. All right. Okay, we are then on to the interview. We have... This morning we have Catherine Moyer, who's a Socialist Alliance member from Sydney and a uh, Labour supporter from um, back in the UK. She's recently moved out here. So, uh, yeah, welcome, Catherine. Hi, Zane. All right, so uh, pretty keen to ask you about Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy's (laughs) uh, just been elected leader of the British Labour Party on a decidedly left platform. Who is this guy, and how long has he been waiting in the wings for this moment? Um. Well, Jeremy Corbyn has been a Labour MP for the district of Islington North in London since 1983, so for the past 32 years. Hmm. Um, And during that time, he's been also uh, an outspoken activist on issues related to social justice and human rights, anti-racism and so on. So he's been um, a visible member of prominent groups such as Amnesty International. He's been really vocal in the campaign for nuclear disarmament, the Palestine Solidarity Campaign. Mm. Um, Until September, when he was actually elected leader of of Labour, he was also chair of the UK Stop the War Coalition and so on. So, you know, he's been around and visible and vocal for quite a long time. Um, Although I don't think we can really say that he's been waiting in the wings as such. Um, It's been reported that John McDonnell, who's now the uh, shadow chancellor in Jeremy Corbyn's Labour cabinet actually convinced him to stand in response to calls from grassroots members for a left-wing candidate. Mm. Um, McDonald himself stood when Tony Blair stepped down back in 2007 and lost on a, on a, on a left platform. Um, and he convinced, um, so I've read, convinced Jeremy to, to, to stand himself, but he did find it quite difficult to get um, to get on the ticket in the first place, to get the 35 nominations that are required. Um, obviously, he did that. And yes, his platform that he stood and won on is a clear, clearly left platform. 
um, you know, he described it himself as a clear anti-austerity message that he wanted to send. And um, some of his policies or proposed policies include, you know, renationalizing key public services and infrastructure and so on. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, he's been around for for, for ages, um, but perhaps not waiting in the wings to become leader. I think that's the um, the interesting thing. And, uh, you know, he's he was sort of his candidacy was met with surprise and a little bit of opposition by members of the parliamentary Labour Party. But it has received a huge groundswell of support from from grassroots members and new members. Yeah, well, so... <laughs> It surprised even him that he got elected. <laughs> accidental. I think so. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, really very much an accidental um, success, but, you know, um, perhaps uh, perhaps a more hopeful success for the fact that it's accidental. I don't know. Mm. And so, of course, Corbyn's campaign has attracted tens of thousands of new members to the Labour Party, mm-hmm. but he still represents a minority view within the party's parliamentary ranks and and apparatus, though, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, I read this week that, that, you know, there are various figures that keep being sort of touted for how many new people have been attracted to Labour since Corbyn stood, and then again since he won. You know, it's in the region of 50,000 new members since his leadership was announced on the 12th of September, and Hmm. it continues to grow. Um, Labour, the Labour Party in the UK now has 360,000 members, which is, you know, unprecedented since, um, well, let's say since Blairism first kind of got off, um, got up and running, uh, you know, in the late 1990s, which is maybe not such a good comparison, but, you know, it shows an immense amount of popular support. It's really a huge popular movement that has been created around Jeremy Corbyn's candidacy and and leadership but as is difficulty getting on the ballot that i just explained shows you're quite right to say that he is in a minority in the parliamentary labor party itself um jeremy corbyn has belonged he stepped down now because of his role as as leader of the party but in the past he belonged to um the socialist campaign group which is um a social democratic uh, grouping on the left wing of the Parliamentary Labour Party, which was set up back in 1982 by, you know, people such as Tony Benn, Dennis Skinner, um, uh, those on the on the left of of, of Labour in those days. Um, do, and you, so, do you know, like, what sort of proportion or, or what percentage yeah. of of the party that 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 sort of faction represents? A small percentage. I mean, I'm not sure how many members are currently in socialist campaign because, well, I know, for example, um, Corbyn and Diane Abbott have stepped down from the group as a result of now serving in the in the ca- in the shadow cabinet. Mm. Um, but I think, I mean, maybe about only 10 or 15 percent of mm. the parliamentary Labour Party as a whole. Although perhaps you could, you know, may- maybe Corbyn's support base within the PLP is a little bit. A little bit broader than that, but but not much. Um, and he's got key, a couple of kind of key allies in the shadow cabinet. Most importantly, is John McDonnell, who um, is now shadow chancellor and is you know Corbyn's sort of long-standing ally, and um, also on the left of, of Labour, mm. and also Diane Abbott, who again is a is a close 
political ally of, of Jeremy Corbyn, I would say, and she's um, she's also in the, the shadow cabinet now. Um, so a few key kind of posts in the shadow cabinet have been filled by Corbyn supporters, but mm. you know even in that um, in that forum, let's say, or in that context, um, he is relatively a, a minor a minor voice, I'd say. Hmm. in terms of the views that he represents in the party, a parliamentary party as a whole. And we've already seen attacks on Corbyn uh, and, and undermining uh, um, from within the Labour Party. How do you think Corbyn and, and his supporters are going to try and address that? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really difficult question, actually, because... Um, I mean, attacks from outside are, well, they're not easy to, to, to defend against either, not all the time, but, you know, sometimes they are because they're just so sort of ludicrous. I was watching mm. an interview um, with Jeremy Corbyn um, carried out by a man called Eamon Holmes, who's, among other things, was on Sky News. You know, listeners can Google that um, on YouTube. Um, and uh, Eamon Holmes, among other things, is like a breakfast television presenter. And this interview is just really a car crash. It's <laughs> somebody trying to sort of throw all of the all of the um, kind of standard insults uh, at Corbyn as a left winger and failing because it just it just comes across as so laughable, you know. Chairman um, Corbyn. <laughs> yeah, well, he has, he has this chairman uh, bicycle, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's just stupid. So there are some uh, attacks from outside when they come in that sort of really crude form are quite difficult to fend off. Um, and Corbyn has got up to now uh, himself, I think, a really strong record of just um, explaining in clear language and with, you know, with sort of candidly his position on issues that people um, take up with him. Um, there was a kind of bit of a smear campaign against him during his leadership campaign in which the press tried to uh, brand him as anti-Semitic. And he, you know, was very careful in um, coming back to those uh, allegations, uh, you know, in a mature, mature way. I think from inside Labour, it's a bit more difficult to say and partly... The reason that I say that is because one of the things Corbyn wants to do and got elected to do was to transform the way policy is made within the Labour Party. You know, he wants to canvas opinion from grassroots members. Mm. Um, he wants the policy-making process to become much more democratic in itself. And so the question is, of course, how, given those changes that he absolutely wants to, to make, um, how the kinds of policies that might emerge either that Corbyn's that Corbyn puts forward or that that were you know in his campaign program or that are put forward by grassroots members how they are going to be um you know supported or rejected by well in particular by a majority of the parliamentary labor party who perhaps isn't as far to the left as um as Corbyn is so it's difficult, I think, to say at this stage how he and supporters are going to respond to attacks from within the party itself, partly because with these changes, it's not really clear what form those attacks can and will take. Hmm. Yes, it's the uh, age-old challenge of uh, bureaucracy versus democratising grassroots 
exactly yeah. exactly and that's the one thing that i think you know he is absolutely committed to doing that so um hmm. that's something he's not going to back down on so it's going to be interesting to see how how it works out hmm. um i think what's more um kind of something to watch i guess is the relationship between um corbyn and his deputy leader tom watson who is um uh, you know, who has, well, he's been elected deputy leader and he's kind of a, an outspoken or, uh, yeah, very sort of lo- long-standing staunch supporter of the trade union movement, but rather on the right of that movement. Yeah, right. Um, and quite, um, quite a strong personality as well. So, mm. I and think he's a also, lot will... he's also the scourge of the murder committee, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank we're, you very we're much. Have to wrap it up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Thank you very much for coming on this morning. And, uh, we thank might have to get you me. back at some point in the not too distant future. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me. Okay. Cheers. Thank you, Catherine. Bye. Cheers. All right. Well. Okay. End of the show, guys. That's us for another Just week. fast. Yes. Uh, one one quick mention: the New South Wales government just approved a fourth coal loader oh. for Newcastle yesterday. Ooh. So oh. keep your eye on that. That's uh, C- yeah. counter rally today against the anti-abortionists. Ah H- yes. Hundred uh, Avenue Tracy Centre Parkville. Okay. Oh, right. If you've got right. time, be there. Okay. okay. And uh, bye, bye. bye to everybody. Bye and bye. thanks for listening. And till next week. Yes, Okay, bye. This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Green Left Weekly newspaper. Green Left Weekly provides a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment first. If you would like to subscribe to Green Left Weekly and get it delivered to your door, you can do so by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1-800-634-206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues. Thank you for listening. You are tuned to 3CR Community Radio 855 Digital on the AM dial and streaming live on 3cr.org.au.